Howdy, and welcome to our podcast channel. This message is from Preview Nights for spring of 2023, um, and it's sort of a general lowdown of the 40-day fast that we're going to be walking through up until the Collegiate Day of Prayers. We hope that this resource is growing in your relationship and your walk with the Lord. And if you have any questions, you can find us at fbcbryan.org slash college. We hope you enjoy. It was sort of a last-minute substitution. For those of you that don't know, Jason is on sabbatical, and he had, he's planned out all the way through like the middle of March. And he knew this was preview night, but he didn't know everything that preview night was going to entail. And really, we didn't either a month ago when we were looking at that. So, bro, you're the man. Thanks for stepping up, um, being in that spot. It's a blessing to us. Hey, every time we, we gather into this space, this is not going to be different just because it's a preview night. We hit pause and we take a look at the Shema. If you don't know what the Shema is, it is a, a prayer that was given to Israel to, to sort of direct them. But, but even more than a prayer, um, it was this mindset that directed how they lived. He, he goes on after he says these words that we've read so many times. He said, these, they're, they're to be written on your heart. You're to share them as you go about your day, as you sit, as you stand, as you, as you go to work, and as you rest, and as you, as you lay down, and as you get up. These are the things that you should be thinking about. And as we, as we lean into... Uh, all that the Lord has planned for the spring. This is one of those things that we just we need to pause and, and remind ourselves of. You know, hopefully, even during the Christmas break, this is something that maybe you thought of. You just kind of got into routine, that it was one of those things that rose up in you, that you were just asking God to be your priority in all of those spaces. And that's what we're going to pray tonight. When, when we say, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love him with all that you are, with all of these ways that they list. Um, that is, it's important for us to grasp that. He's our, our one thing. We're going to throw a lot of stuff at you uh, this semester. We're expecting the Lord to do some really, really cool things this semester. You're going to be bombarded with a lot of other stuff, even outside of church this semester, and, and opportunities, good and bad. Um, some of you are making the decision on like what mission trip to go on or what camp to serve at, or should I apply for impact, or should I apply for BSM leadership, or should I apply for all of these things that are out there. And, and your measure, I mean, because all of those things we can go, hey, these are great things, your measure is in those spaces, good and bad, is God rising up to be the priority. And that's what we're just, I've been praying that for you. That's what I want you to pray for yourself. And so this, this affects everything. It becomes a foundation that affects relationships and school and where you serve and how you spend your time and how you spend your money and all of that. And so that's going to be our simple prayer tonight. If you have some people around you you want to pray this with, great. There's not going to be music playing in the background. It's just going to be kind of a silent moment except for you praying out loud. Um, Asking the Lord to be your one thing, to be your priority that everything else rests on. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to pray that. I'll close this out in prayer and then we're going to jump in tonight. Ready, go.
and God, before I think about school starting in two days and we think about just the busyness of returning to whatever a normal schedule looks like for the spring and all the stuff that we have in front of us, we thank you for just an opportunity to hit pause and, and, and even just like in, in silence of, of like the, the understanding, the recognition, there's a lot of prayers going up at you, but just in like a still space. Um, we thank you for that, for a room that's often noisy, um, for an opportunity just to hit pause and uh, to be reminded of you, to be reminded of your goodness. And may you continue to do that like as we sing songs and to gather around tables and as we pray prayers and even as we open up your word, may, may your value or your worth rise up in us um, to, the, to the point where making you our foundational thing um, honestly doesn't require much effort because we just, we, we think that highly of you because we're putting you in your proper spot and everything else just falls um, into the right spaces. And so may, may that be the, the thing that happens. Would you, by your spirit, continue to reveal um, your greatness to us and may uh, we have the eyes and the ears and the heart to see that uh, and be stirred in our affection for you. And so would, would you draw us, we, we pray, would, um, would your nearness tonight be our good? Um, would we be, we'd be challenged in some spaces maybe that we haven't in a while and um, all of those things, would they take place for your glory? And so we, we give you tonight um, and all that takes place. We thank you for Jesus, how much he loves us, um, the reason that we have hope and joy, the reason that we can even gather, the reason we have access to the Father and and so we, we praise you for, uh, for him. And um, we just ask that you're glorified tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, preview night's a little bit weird. Um, and because that we, we walk into this space for a couple reasons. It, it helped us this morning as an excuse because the check-in system failed this morning, which was kind of cool. Um, it also just allows us to, to work out a few things that we're looking at. We're, we're helping put our teams kind of back into place and let everybody kind of find the rhythm uh, into that. And so it's going to be really relaxed. Now, often when I'm sitting up here teaching, it is pretty relaxed. I want, like, it helps me if you're interacting, things like that, not being a fool, but it just helps me if you are, are kind of in response. And so tonight... Um, it, it, we will sort of chase a little bit of a rabbit because of some things that the Lord is doing. But I, if you weren't there this morning, I kind of shared with you what was happening. Today, January 15th, is 40 days away from the Collegiate Day of Prayer, which is the 23rd of February. It's uh, on a Thursday night. We'll be at Brazos Fellowship with other churches in the area. We're going to fill that place with college students uh, and chase after the Lord together. It's been sweet. I think the momentum is slowly growing um, behind the Collegiate Day of Prayer, and it has like really, really high value, really high importance in what we're doing. And we're going we're gonna to see a video where, where my friend of ours, Francis Chan, who likes to cry when he talks, does a really good job of, of explaining this better to you and, and highlighting the, the history behind the Collegiate Day of Prayer. But we're just going to embrace it. We're going to talk about prayer tonight under this umbrella that every time that we hear the word prayer and what, what, the, what Scripture does in pushing us into that place, it also assumes that you are, you are fasting in that. Um, and here's, here's the idea. When I tell you um, that, that I love you or that I love college students or I, I love what I do, the greatest way that I can put that on display is knowing you and knowing how I can pray for you. Because in praying for you, now, now I've, I've gotten in a pretty good habit, and I, this may not help my point here at all, but I've gotten in a habit where I can pray while doing a lot of things. I'll pray while driving. I'll pray while, even while teaching. A lot of times on Sunday morning when my alarm goes off, which my wife just walked out, but my, my alarm to pray for my wife goes off at 1027 every day. And so a lot of times I'm on stage on Sunday morning, and, and I'll, be telling, I'll be telling you about something, and the thoughts will go to my wife and praying for her. So I've, I've gotten pretty good at multitasking in that space. 
But a lot of times if you share like, hey, this is going on in my family, would you pray for me? I will hit pause and pray for you right then and I'll also make a note and I will hit pause and pray for those moments. And it's the greatest display of love that I can show towards you, why? Because I'm sacrificing something for you. I am literally sacrificing my time, which the Lord has only given me a limited amount of. He put an expiration date on my life. I don't know when it is, but I know I have a limited amount. So when I, when I pause and I pray for you, I'm giving something that I can't get back at all. And so that's, that's the best way that you can show somebody that you love them is you can say, I'm going to pray for you. You do it while you're with them and you sacrifice and pray for them in other spaces. That's the most loving thing you can do. And when we, when we think about prayer in scripture and it talks about fasting, it's just this assumption that you're going to sacrifice something to turn your attention to the God who provides a, a comfort or a satisfaction that's greater than the thing that you're letting go of. And so we're calling you, if you missed it this morning, we're calling you to, if you're willing, two big things. I'm calling you for 40 days just to pray and we're gonna give you some resources to do that. That's the big one. Um, but along with that, uh, we believe that scripture is real clear that your prayers are effective when you are fasting. Um, for me, it's going to be food. Um, and you're like, you're fasting all food? Basically, um, I've, I've gotten to the point now that I do two, this is not a hype, John, up, but I do two 40-day fasts a year, and, and I just drink liquid. Uh, it's not water like Jesus would do, and so it's like cute little creations of blended up fruits and vegetables um, and pea protein to keep my body alive uh, at that point. But I don't eat anything solid for 40 days. And this is something that you can do. Or maybe yours is, I've, I've heard some people, it's like, I'm giving up fried foods. And some of you are like, well, I couldn't eat in Sabisa anymore. What do I do? Um, <clears throat> some of you, you know that there's just, there's something that you have a... Uh, your attention goes to, it could be like soda or it could be french fries or like your daily or it could be whatever it may be in the food realm that you know that you could give up. Or there may be something that's more important that the Lord, the Spirit is stirring in you that you need to sacrifice. It could be social media, it could be uh, Netflix, it could be something else that you're spending so much time on that if you replace that with praying, this is the purpose of this, this fast, that, that your prayers would be I'm going to say this, like more powerful and more effective. You, would, you could be in, inclined to pray the things that God wants you to pray. And that's the, the thing. Like for me, this is the practical thing. Instead of me preparing food or cooking food or sitting down to eat food, now my food's in a cup and I can walk through and I can just drink it in about three minutes and I'm done. I don't have to sit down and eat and I can replace that 30 minutes a meal with just praying. And that's what I do. And so it's a, it's a sweet space for you to get into. That's what we're going to talk about. But, but more than that, when we, when we pray the Shema or when you look at this slide that we built that's back there um, on the screen and you see these things that says, God says, be constant in prayer and let your request be made known to God and pray at all times and continue steadfastly in prayer. Pray without ceasing and ask and you'll receive and do not lose heart in praying. There's all these commands to pray there's also this thing that should stir up in you that is pretty unbelievable. Because when, when we talk about prayer, it's this idea that the creator of the universe, the, the sovereign God who has infinite wisdom and infinite power and infinite knowledge and infinite goodness and infinite everything else, he's telling these finite sinful creatures to ask him to do things that we think are for good and that we think are for the glory of God. I mean, that, that's when Jesus is like, hey, let me teach you how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. He, he starts it off and he says, hallowed be thy name. 
you guys have prayed it before games and stuff like that. Like, you know, the Lord's Prayer. It's called the model prayer. And, and what that hallowed be thy name really means is glorify your name. Honor your name. Revere your name. I need you to put your name where it belongs. And, and I want to make sure that your will is done in a way that the angels do it in heaven. So I'm just gonna begin my prayer by saying, hey, I need you to let your glory rise up, but we are praying to this God. And he's allowing you to pray to this God. And if you really think about it, you should go, that's wild. That, that, that is an unbelievable thought that his created beings have access to the Father to ask him for things. And so when, when I think about that, when I, and oftentimes if I'm honest, like when I stumble over that, and, and I, I get to this point where I go, why should I even pray? Because on the, I'll, I'll be honest, on the spectrum of Arminian versus Calvin over here, I'm, I, I lean closer to the, the Calvin side of it, and I'm not a five-point Calvinist. I could explain that to you if you're really concerned about it on why that is, but I, I lean a little bit closer to this under this idea where scripture says that he has predestined, he has ordained, he has chosen, he has done these things. When I lean that way, I begin to go, then why should I pray? If, if he has put things into order, if he has predestined, if he has chosen, if he's, if he's done all of these things, then why should I even pray? Well, one, <laughs> back there, why? Why should I pray? Just somebody say it. Because the Bible says so. All right, just real straightforward. The Bible invites you into it. And so even as we wrestle with what, where you land on this goofy thing that I think God probably just put the thoughts into the, into the minds of men just to argue, to give us something to argue about, um, those two things can exist. He can predestine and ordain everything and invite us into the story. And I think the scripture really clarifies this for us. And, and I, real, I pulled out three reasons why we should pray or why we should want to pray or why we should pray for the things that we want, even though we know and even though scripture is really, really clear that God is sovereign over everything. Okay, and, and I need you to, to, to get into that spot. If you don't believe that God is sovereign over everything, I need you to maybe dive in on your own time and examine scripture. Let's have a conversation on why scripture is real clear that he is sovereign over everything. And in that, why we are invited into the story to be able to pray. A couple things here. One, God commands it to, to pray. He, he commands it, but he also commands us to pray for what we want. This is important. He commands us to pray for what we want. I mean, he straightforward tells us to pray what, for what we want. John 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That translation literally is that you ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. Now, if you're worldly, if you lean a little bit worldly, then this, this gets you really excited because you're like, hey, I want to win the lottery and I want her to date me and I want to pass this class without studying and I want, these things begin to rise up in you. This is not what this verse says at all. He is commanding us to pray for what we want provided that our hearts are being shaped by his word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And this is a big, big thing, okay? 
So you want God to answer your prayers. That, that should be the thing that rises up. I would love for God to answer my prayers. Then you pray the things that stir the heart of God. And the only way that you know the things that stir the heart of God is if you have allowed God's word to abide in you. This is the, the foundation. This is the start of it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Because here's the thing. As sinful humans, you're not supposed to, as sinful humans, you don't know the divine will of God. And as, as sinful humans, you aren't going to, outside of God's word, pray the will of God. And so in order to do that, you have to lean into the word of God. It's not like he's your genie and you go, hey, God, I need you to do this. But if you were to go back and kind of examine your prayer life, a lot of times that's what we do. Because you have these, these moments where you are zoomed in on yourself, you're kind of selfish looking and the world around you is maybe falling apart or there's just some certain things that you need to happen and you begin to pray things that are for your will and not for his. And this is not how prayer is supposed to work. God's word abides in you, it shapes you, it begins to change your wants and your desires and your wishes and you begin to pray the will of God out loud. This revealed will of God is... Um, shown in a couple, couple ways. First Peter 3.11, that verse says, seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. Just a little chunk of scripture. And, and I don't know how the sovereign will of God works, but when I see him say, seek peace and pursue it, but then I, I zoom out on the big picture of scripture and I go, the cross. Arguably the most non-peaceful moment in history. But scripture says, seek peace and pursue it. But the sovereign will of God allowed for his son to be crucified on a cross in an unbelievably wild, violent moment that did not scream peace at all. It was the crucifixion. It's not peaceful. And so when I look at that and I go, okay, seek peace and pursue it, but the cross doesn't fit into that space I begin to pray towards the things that he tells me to pursue, not trying to figure out how he's going to accomplish them. Because if I'm writing the story and he says, seek peace, then I'm like, okay, then Jesus is going to come and everybody's just going to bow down peacefully to him because he's God and everything's going to be made right. And God goes, no, my sovereign will is that I send my son to this planet and he gets murdered on a cross. Seek peace and pursue it. What? So, so there's some things within God that don't, add up in your worldly brain, but in his brain, they're, they're great. It's weird that I just gave God a brain. In his, in his sovereign knowledge, they are, they are great in all of that. And these are the things that we are to pursue. And so the first thing that scripture commands you to do in your prayer is to ask for what you want because the Bible is shaping you to ask the things, not just praying the things that you dream up and want for tomorrow. Allow God's word to be changing and shaping you. And so for the next 40 days, there's a guide that the Collegiate Day of Prayer, the organization put out. We're gonna, we'll put a link up to it later that you can download it um, and give you some instructions towards that. But all of them are just pointing you towards scripture that change the way that you think that will affect your prayers. And, and it's, it's so needed in our life. Like you wanna be powerful at this. The, the moments, hear me, I've practiced praying for a long time, good and bad. The moments where I've seen God do unbelievable things is when I've just kind of hit pause and I've prayed scripture and I've allowed the word of God to come out of me and they weren't selfish and he's answered in unbelievably powerful ways. Allow God's word to shape you to begin to pray what you want founded in scripture. The second one, this, is, this, this will mess with you. It messes with me, but it's 100% true. If you don't pray, you may not receive. Just say that out there. 
If we don't pray, then we may not receive. James 4.2, we use this in a lot of random spaces. You have not because you, because you ask not. You do not have because you do not ask. And you have to let that sink in. But what, is, what is the scripture saying here? There's this real like causal connection between our asking and between God giving. You have not because you ask not. And, and this is pretty important because, again, this isn't making God a genie. This is his promise to you that where there is an absence of asking, then there's a cause that happens, that there's an absence of receiving. You do not have because you, you do not ask. And so that, like, this is just a straightforward promise from Scripture. The reason that we often don't receive the things is because we are not asking for the things. And you got to put that out in front of you. And some of you, uh, I want to challenge you, like avoid some of the selfish thoughts that you're thinking. Like and, and also, this goes the other side of this. There are some things that you go, hold on, that promise doesn't make sense to me because there are some moments that I prayed for things that did not happen. And, and it's, a, it's a careful balance there. Because we all, everyone in this room probably has a testimony of like unbelievably difficult things that you walk through that you ask the Lord to intervene in and he, in your mind, he didn't show up. And in your mind, you went, well, he ignored that one. Okay, this, that isn't God's character. That isn't the promise of God that we see in scripture. And there's a reason for it. Please don't charge me to explain to you that reason because it's gonna take, hear me, it's probably gonna take time. It may take heaven for you to see that reason. Sometimes in God's like, goodness, he reveals those things to you, and sometimes he doesn't, and we, we really have to be okay with that because like, life is difficult. And, and hear me, it took me 12 years after my dad passed away to get to the point where I was like, God, why? Why, why was it written? That, why is the story this way? Zero evidence that my dad had a relationship with God. Why didn't you rescue him before that? Why are you using it in this way? And, and it, 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 what it took was for me to zoom out and to get outside of like this, the seriousness and the, the intimacy with the situation to go, God, how are you going to use this? And so there's a balance there of going, yeah, well, that verse isn't true because I've asked God for a lot of things. And I've asked God for a lot of things that I think I can prove with the Bible are his will. But it just didn't happen. Again, this is the sovereignty of God over the situation that you have to trust. None of these are easy. I'm not saying that this is an easy one to hear. But this is what scripture clearly says. So he, he is calling us first to pray for the things that we want as they're founded in Scripture. Two, to we don't have because we do not ask. And so I love, I don't, are there any, any parents left in the room? Not to put you on blast. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and claim that I'm the only one. And so uh, I love when my sons come and ask me for the strangest things. When more than likely they know that the answer is no but they're gonna go ahead and take their shot. Because what if dad says yes? What, what if this plays out this way? Um, and sometimes it does. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I mean, ice cream at 10.30 at night, that sounds like a good idea, bro. Your bedtime's at 8.45, this will be cool. Um, and, and that plays out in a lot of different ways. And I, I think the God of the universe who created you, who crafted you, who, who built you the way that you are, like he takes pleasure in you coming and just asking like the most wild thing. And he's like, y'all hear that? 
Y'all hear what she just said? Like, that's unbelievable. But we're also going to see how this plays in to the big picture when we talk about his sovereignty and why we even do this. Scripture is pushing us into this place. It is telling you that you must be asking according to God's will. It is telling you the opposite, that if you don't ask, you're not going to get oftentimes. But this last one is pretty wild. I'm going to say this. God is sovereignly planning your prayers. You're like, what? Okay, God is sovereign. Put us in that space. Because God is sovereign, he also sovereignly plans your prayers. The reason that the second point is valid, that you have not because you ask not, is because of this point. That you may fail to receive if you do not ask, because the reason is is that God plans our prayers just as surely as he plans the events that he performs in the answer to our prayers. Now this is this is difficult, and I'm going to just say this openly. I've got to close my eyes to even think about it. Um, one of the cool things, the characteristic about God, this is the easiest way that I can think about this. This is not like some deep theological thinking, okay? This is just the easiest way that I can think about this. God, God put the earth on a timeline from whatever creation looked like. If you're a young earth or old earth or whatever, he put it on a timeline that started there, and it's going to end, you know, I'm going to go with eternity, but let's just put an end on it, that when new earth shows up, when everything's made new, this is the timeline that he put us on, okay? And we are in this timeline from that side of the stage to this side of the stage, you're this little bitty dot on that timeline that just exists. And everything that you do in that little dot that's on this timeline, it's affecting your life, and and we think that it has an effect on eternity as we share the gospel and we pray and we do all those things. That's where we're at. And where's God on that timeline? He's up, he's up here. He's above it. And he's looking down on it. And he's seeing all of it take place. Okay? He's sovereign over all of it. And he put, put an order to all of it. He's, just, he's way up here looking. And so, so when we read verses like that we are covered by the blood. Okay? You're not literally covered by Jesus' blood. But because God's outside of it, he can see the cross. And he can see you. And he can see all of the sin that, that, that happens on your little life right here. But the cross covers all of it. And so that, that's a beautiful promise of him being outside of time and being able to see that. And so when Christ died, he covered all of those sins, and, and God can see that And as you walk in it. And so when we talk about him being sovereign over the plans even for your prayers, we trust his sovereignty on the timeline, you have to trust this, that as you pray, he took that prayer into account over everything else. And so your prayers now can be stirring the heart of God in the sovereign plan that he already put into place because he's already heard your prayers. It's, it's a really cool promise that's wrapped up in the bigness of God. Here's a couple examples of that. I'm going to flip over to this. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, Jesus is, is hanging out. This is another kind of version of the Last Supper. So he's, he's having Last Supper, and then the disciples start arguing over who's the greatest, which is a fun thing that they like to do, and uh, talking about serving one another, blah, blah, blah. And then, I'm just going to read part of this. Uh, We'll just start in verse 24. I like the dispute part of it. Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. But he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. It is not to be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you should become like the youngest. It's the least. And whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. 
You are those who stood by me in my trials. I bestow on you a kingdom just as my father bestows on me so that you may eat and drink and sit at my table in my kingdom. You, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And then verse 31, it takes this wicked turn. He says, Simon, Simon, he's talking to Peter here. Look out. Imagine Jesus saying to this, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Okay, there's a couple things that are happening here that, that could be deep theological moments, but, but this is our understanding of it. Satan didn't come and visit Jesus and ask him to sift Peter. This is not the thing that happened here. It wasn't like before, before dinner, Satan's like at the corner, like, hey, Jesus, I want that guy. That's not how that happened. This is, this is a heavenly thing. It's the same idea as what happened with Job, where he goes into counsel with God and he's like, hey, I, I want that one. I want to sift that guy. Jesus knows about this. He says, hey, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat, verse 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. What does his faith do? His, his faith fails, sort of. He turns his back. He denies Jesus three times. It basically fails. In baseball, he's out. It, it fails at this point. And so this, he prays this. I, I've prayed that you will not fail, but this is important, period. And you, when you have turned back, when you have turned back, then strengthen your brothers. I've prayed that you didn't fail. You're gonna fail because my next sentence, when you turn back, Jesus already knows the outcome of it. I prayed you're not gonna fail, but you're going to. When you come back, when you turn back, I need you to strengthen your brothers. This is the thing. God had planned for him to fail, straight up. He had planned for him to deny Jesus. Jesus knows this right here. He knew he was gonna deny him. He spoke it over him. He prophesied it over him. We read it in other parts of scripture. You're gonna mess up. I know this from the beginning. God had planned for him to fail. He also planned for his repentance after the fail. This is why Jesus is praying for his repentance. And God had planned in all of that to answer that prayer for repentance and to cause Peter to repent, which he did. Okay? Some of you are like, big brain, mind blown. I don't, I don't understand what's even happening right here. You've just gone into a spiritual sense that I'm confused by. Okay? And so am I. I'm with you. But this is what we see in Scripture. Jesus knew he was going to. He prayed that he wouldn't. But in him praying that, he also said, when he does, I need him to come back. And God said, I hear your prayer. He's going to fail. I'm also going to grant your request that he comes back to you. This is my sovereign will. Not that he fails, but that in his failure, I even get more glory by using his life in an unbelievable way in the life of the church. And so I'm going to grant the request of him coming back to you. So in all of that, God is sovereign over all of that, even the things that Jesus is praying. It, it makes no sense when we look at this. It makes no sense to God or, or to say that God's will is for, for Peter is going to happen no matter what Jesus prays. That's the first thing. That's kind of our excuse to be like, why should I pray? God's will is going to be done. It, it doesn't make any sense here because of what Jesus prays. And when Jesus prays this prayer, it was a part of what God had willed the whole time. And that's the way it is with all of our prayers. God, God doesn't just plan the world and then wonder if anybody is going to pray and to be a part of his plan that's not how he orchestrated all this he planned the world he's sovereign over it and part of his planning of the world included timeline the prayers that you pray stirring his heart to action this is so important 
Because we like to put God on this timeline that he's in the past and he flipped a switch and everything started rolling and he just kind of stepped back and he's absent from it. And that's a dangerous game to play with an unbelievably active God because he didn't do that. He's intimately involved in every aspect of it, including your prayers that he's sovereign over to be used for his glory. Here's another example in Ezekiel chapter 36. This is a cool verse, verses 36 and 37. It says this, The nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, there's a pause, and says, This also, I will let the house of Israel ask me to do it for them, to increase their people like a flock. He's going, this is what's going to happen, and I'm going to allow them to ask me to make it happen. It's, it's kind of a cool thing. Here's the plan. You can be a part of it. Just ask me. This is what we see all throughout Scripture. The nations that are left all around them are going to know that I'm God. I'm going to multiply you. Ask me for it. This is a cool thing. And this goes back to the first, the first promise. If you know the promises of God, then you can pray the promises of God and see that they're going to take place. It's just a cool like, pattern to how this works. And, and when we looked at this verse, there's, there's a word. It's, it's the word let. Also, I will let the house of Israel ask me to do it for them. That word doesn't quite like get the the sense in English that it does in Hebrew, it's, we get this idea with let that, that God is like giving them permission to pray. Like, hey, I'm going to allow the house of Israel to ask me to do this, like if they want to. This word literally in the Hebrew, it's a statement of intention. It's, it's a statement of purpose where God is saying, this also I will be sought in this way, Israel is going to ask me this. Like They're going to pray this. And because they are going to pray this, this is what I'm doing. This is the, the gist behind this. It's also going to happen. I'm going to do it this way. So in all of this, we've got we to grasp this. God intends in this passage to restore Israel. He purposes that to happen. He plans for that to happen. He intends for that to happen. And their prayers are a part of all of that. It's not their wishes. They are understanding the heart of God and they are praying these things and it stirs him to move. And so this is why we look at that verse back there and we go, okay, God, in my finite mind, I don't totally understand what you're inviting me to in praying, but I'm seeing your, your, your promises in scripture and i'm seeing your commands in scripture and so when you tell me to be constant in prayer romans 12 12 and you say to let my request be made known to god philippians 4 6 and you say to pray at all times in ephesians 6 and and you say to continue steadfastly in prayer in colossians 4 and and then you say to pray without ceasing in first thessalonians 5 you put all of those things before me and you say ask and you'll receive in John chapter 16. And in all of that, to not lose heart from the book of Luke, you put all of that along with the promises that he says that you are to pray according to what you see in scripture, according to my will, and you are to ask, or you may not receive. And here's the cool thing. I'm sovereign over your, your prayers anyway. They're stirring my heart to do. He's not, he's not toying with us. When he, when he says these things, he's, he's granting us as the, this is not a hype for you, but you're the crown of creation. You are. As humans, he was like, 
Trees, good. Animals, good. Fish, smelly but good. Sun and moon and stars and earth and sea and ocean, all those things, good. Humans, you're going to jack this whole thing up. Very good. It's wild to me. But you're the crown of his creation, and it's the reason that he invites you. And he's not, he's not messing with you by like, hey, you should pray your cute little prayers. It's not really going to affect anything because I'm sovereign over it anyway. It's just a game that we play. That's not what he's doing. He's granting you, because of the crown of creation, like the dignity in joining with him and glorifying him as part of the story that he has written. It's just a role that we get to play. And we have to get to the point that that becomes the thing that we are most passionate about. Because a lot of times our prayers become like these selfish things where we're praying for the things that we want, not the things that are going to stir God's heart. And this is the shift that we have to make. And, and so this is what we're calling you to for 40 days that lead up to the collegiate day of prayer. And, and I want to challenge you. There's, I'm becoming a little bit more and more passionate about this um, just because I've gone back and looked at, at how these things took place. So in the early 1800s on these like wildly secular campuses now that you would look at and, and think that nothing good is ever going to come out of them, out of those spaces like Yale or Princeton or Harvard, except for like, um, I, I don't mean this is a cuss word, but except for like just like liberal extreme ideologies that are wrapped up in like super smart scientists and math people um, that try to prove to you that the baby in the womb is not actually a fetus. And they, like they do things like that. Um, and so we think that nothing good ever comes out of these places. But the greatest movements of God in, in our country took place as college students began to pray at Yale and at Princeton and at Harvard and all of these places. And it happened in the early 1800s. And, and the whole thing that stirred it up was two or three people that got together and said, we're going to passionately pray for this. And then it became contagious. And more and more people started praying about it. And more and more people started praying about it. And so, so here's, here's the shot. And I'm going to take it a couple, a couple different ways. Um, it's really, really easy for a couple thousand of you to gather together on Tuesday night in Reed Arena and seek the Lord because of loud music and a well-spoken word. And, and I believe that the Lord is honored in those spaces, but you find it unbelievably difficult to get up on Tuesday morning and seek the Lord in prayer and ask him to move and stir. That's my shot. It's really, really easy. And I'm on the board at Impact. It's really, really easy for you to sign up and get all hype at Impact and jump around and wear your colors and welcome the freshmen. All of those things are good. But then you sacrifice that and you're like, I'll, I'll sacrifice all the time in the world and I won't go to church and I'll sacrifice studying and I'll do all of these to make impact happen, all good things, but you won't hit pause and pray and seek the heart of God. And this is what he's calling you to and, and this is why. If you would be, get passionate about seeing revival happen and see God's name and his renown become the desire of your heart and his name and his renown become the glory that is echoed all across the planet, then you'll become passionate about those things. But until God takes, if, if he doesn't take that rightful place in you, then you'll continue to exist in these spaces, checking your Christian boxes and thinking that you're doing a lot of good and he's calling you to join him in prayer. And hear me, it's difficult to understand. The enemy has made it difficult for us to practice. But it's something that God has called you to. And if, we don't, if you don't read that verse in James and go, you have not because you ask not, and then you go, man, I wish the Lord would move on our campus and you're silent about asking him, you're an idiot. And I'm an idiot. And we're missing our moment because the promises are unbelievably clear if we would just engage in them. Is it hard work? 100%. And you know what happens when he begins to answer those prayers? Your life even gets harder. You know what we prayed for for this ministry? That the Lord would, 
would expand it and would grow it so that we could send students across the globe for his glory. Not to gather them in this room so that we could send them across the globe for his name and his renown. Ministry was real easy when there was 12 people in that trailer. It was. It's becoming a lot more work with you guys. Bless the Lord for that. And so when you pray and God begins to stir that in you and you see him move in ways, your life's gonna get a little bit more difficult for his name and his renown and for his glory. And so this isn't like me pooping on breakaway or on impact or on all these other places that you serve in. It's to, to remind us of where your priorities are. And if you desire to see the Lord move in power in unbelievable ways, then prayer has to be the thing that rises up above all of those other things. And your prayer has to be rooted in scripture. And so your passion for God's word has to rise up above all of those things and to see the Lord use them in unbelievably cool ways. And so we're gonna, we're gonna step into that here in just a second. We're gonna watch a video first to kind of stir our hearts a little bit more towards the collegiate day of prayer. And then I'm gonna drop some challenges on you, um, some things that, so if you have a journal, be ready to take some notes, some stuff I'm gonna throw at you. Or if you have a note app on your phone, if you don't like to write with pen, be ready for that. But let's watch this video right quick and then we'll, we'll drop into these challenges. Go for it, guys. Do you know me? I'm the one you're missing. I'm the one you don't see. As the students go, so goes the nation. Right now we're in a situation where the church is being handed off to the next generation, but it's a struggling church. The college students have the capacity through the power of the Spirit to take our church to the next level. 2023 is the 200th anniversary of the Collegiate Day of Prayer when every denomination and every university adopted the last Thursday of February as an annual invitation to unite in prayer for college campuses. God, please work in this next generation. Use us to empower them in any way. Answer our prayer and start another movement of young people who are devoted to you and excited about your mission and your kingdom on this earth. 200 years ago, at the height of the Second Great Awakening, as political and racial tensions were rising in our country, churches of all backgrounds stood together and embraced the concert of prayer for colleges and universities because they knew, as students go, so goes the nation. Congregations pledged to wrestle with God for the next generation, and they saw revivals, the explosion of modern missions, and a vast expansion of the church, a generation of people after the heart of God. We're asking you, please, Join us for this day of prayer. Join us in praying for these young people. Believe that God can usher in something new through the power of our prayers. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for us? So that's a little bit of a hype video that points towards that day, but we, we're gonna expand that, and they do a good job of this too without even saying it in the video, of expanding the runway to get to the 23rd. Um, and. You will never catch me. I, I even find a little bit of an irritation until I have to check. I, I lean back a little bit. You'll never catch me being like, hey, let's pray just because I want America to be great. That's just not, that's not my MO at all. Um, I think America's great. I think we have a lot of freedoms and stuff in that. But, but here's, here's what I'm going to fight for. Um, um, what was said on that video is 100% true. Like the, the birth of modern missions and the way that we do it happened because of revivals that took place on American soil and allowed this to, to just to overflow into other places. We no longer lead um, the world in missions. We don't. 
There's other countries that are sending more people. There's people that are doing missions better than we are. Um, there's part of me that, like, bless the Lord for that. Like, I love that that's taking place. Please continue to allow that to happen. Um, but I also want to see, like, God move in such a way that this just becomes a thing. Like, it's contagious. He moves in powerful ways, and we're seeing hundreds of thousands of people come to know Jesus on our soil. And in that, these people are sent all over the world again to, to impact the last third of the world that do not know Christ. And so it, we, we need to be, we can't just be lazy and be like, okay, China's doing missions well, and the middle part of Africa's doing missions well. And we can't be lazy in that and just be like, someone's got it, hurrah. We gotta join with the heart of God and, and engage in that way. And it begins with our engagement in prayer. And so we, we set aside this one day of collegiate day in prayer, but we're gonna, we're gonna extend the runway for 40 days. And in these 40 days, um, I, I'm, I'm going to challenge you to make a list. There, there's, nothing, there's nothing hyper-spiritual or even like biblical, like this isn't in the, in the index of your Bible, that this is how you pray. Um, Jesus does a pretty good job of pointing to that. I'm just going to give us some things to think about as you're praying. So in your journal or on your notes app, uh, on your phone, this is something I want you to zoom in on over the next 40 days, along with the resource that we're going to put up on the screen here in a second. Um, I need you to, in the next 40 days, be praying for one really, really big thing. One thing that if it happens, the only shot that it happens is if God showed up and moved in an unbelievably powerful way. What is that gigantic thing? Some of you, it's like, it's this, and you're writing it down instantly. All right? Passing algebra is not that thing. All right? Getting the boyfriend or the girlfriend is not that thing. Okay? These are, these are big, gigantic things. Okay? Write down that one big thing that when it happens, you're gonna go to, to the highest point and scream the loudest that you can that your God is great and he does great things. And that, that's the thing that I wanna put out in front of you. One really big thing. I need you to, to zoom in on five smaller things. These are still big things, but these are things that you're, you, you're sort of concerned about. There's things, these can be practical everyday things. It could be algebra. It could be things that you're just like, I need the Lord's help in these spaces. Um, that it's not the big, big thing, but it's just five smaller things that every day for 40 days you're praying for. You're being intentional about praying for them. One big, five small. Now I need you to invite three people into that space. You're gonna write down three names. You may know them now. You may have to pray about who those three names are. These are three people that you know are, are chasing Jesus. These are three people that you trust that you're gonna go, hey, I'm gonna share with you my big thing. I'm gonna share with you five small things and I need you to walk beside me in prayer for these things. Something the Lord calls us to, just invites people into that space. They'll help hold you accountable to them. They'll be praying for it. There's zero reason. It can be more than that. I'm just gonna go like, hey, there's three. And the cool thing is, is you might have like a circle of three, you know, so there's just the four of you running around that all are praying for the same thing, or, or you're two maybe with somebody else, and then that circle gets bigger of, of things that are being prayed for. And so invite three people into that space. And then along with those three people, you, over the next 40 days, need to identify five people that need Jesus. Not guy that wears flannel in my history class. Learn the dude's name. Take him to coffee, invite him to lunch, figure out why he's wired the way that he is, what's his story. Five people that you need to know that you're praying for, that you're taking steps to share the gospel with. One big thing, five small things, three people that are praying for you, five people that you're sharing the gospel with. And if, if, you, would, if you would do that, and if the Lord would answer these in this space, could you imagine what 
what's going to continue to echo in these services? Could you imagine how your worship shifts? Could you imagine like how you're pursuing God when you go, I, I listed these five things and God just boom, 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 answered them. And so now my list is 15 because if he's going to do five, he's going to do 15. And you just keep expanding. It was like the big thing was answered. Now it's five big things. And my friends was answered. And, and, and the, when those things begin to rise up in you because our God is faithful to do that as you're understanding his word and you're praying in ways that stir his heart and you're being intentional about it, I, I trust and I see it and I have proof of it in my own life and in our church that he does these things. It stirs you up. It motivates you. It's contagious. Jump into that. One big, five small, three people, five lost people that you know. And then I'm going to challenge you, if, if you're not fasting something, this is, one, this is what, how we're going to close tonight, is just like thinking about praying together what that may be that we're going to fast, um, what the Lord is calling you to give up. And so it's going to start, I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of a cheat, because it, some of you are like, well, I didn't fast it today. It's going to start tomorrow. It's going to go through after the collegiate day of prayer. You're going to get 39 point something days. Okay? Leads us up to that point of fasting, whatever that is. And during that period... Um, Collegiate Day of Prayer released a guide, a devotional that goes along with it. And so as you're trying to learn about this and grow in this, here's a, it's a cheat code. They did a really good job. I've read through big chunks of it. It's really cool. So up on the screen, that QR code will take you directly to the PDF for it. Now, here's the thing. If, if you just want the PDF on your phone, scan that QR code. It takes you to the website where you can see it. You can download it on your computer. I think you can, you can save it on your phone. You can save it on your iPad, whatever that may be. The other option is if you have the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, that entire guide is a plan. And so if you go onto the Bible app and you click on plans, you click on search plans, then you type in collegiate day of prayer, whatever that, I think it's collegiate day of prayer, 40 day prayer guide, it will come up. That's how I did it on mine. And so the cool thing about the Bible app, I don't use it all the time for stuff, but if you, if you start a plan, it sends you daily reminders to look at it. It'll send you a text to look at it, which is really big for you. Um, and you can create groups within it. And so it's like, hey, so-and-so is all in there. I'm going to invite everybody into it so you can go through it. And as, as Bowles is going through it, he looks, and the rest of the people at Lazy Lane haven't done it yet. So he sends them a text like, hey, guys, you've got to catch up. Hold each other accountable to that. There's nothing wrong with this. And so either use the YouVersion app or just download the PDF and walk your way through it. This is not a have-to. This is just a really cool encouragement that's really well done that will stir your heart for what revival looks like and for what prayer looks like leading up to the collegiate day of prayer. And then I want you to just set aside that day, set aside that Thursday night um, to join us in prayer uh, there, no matter what is going on. A lot of ministries are gonna be there. They're canceling other stuff. We're talking to other ministries to hopefully get some things where just everybody's kind of gathered together uh, on that night as we seek the Lord together. Bible studies are gonna be there, all of that stuff. Invite some friends into that space. It's just gonna be a sweet moment. And then through these 40 days, just be sharing. It's as you're fasting. I mean, scripture's real clear that you don't walk around all mopey and be like, I gave up Coke and I hate it. That's not what it calls you to. But as you are, take moments to, to share what the Lord's doing in your life to encourage other people who don't know what this is um, and maybe challenge them, especially believers, as they're walking in this, be like, hey, you may not be doing this, but can I encourage you? Collegiate Day of Prayers, and we're gonna be praying for this. We're praying for it now. You wanna join me in that? Drag people along with you, all right? So tonight as we close, there's a lot of it that just came at you, I'm sorry. But tonight as we close, um, I want you to find a couple people. Maybe you wrote down those three and you know who they are. I don't want you to do this by yourself, okay? So this is a comfort zone thing for some of you. Um, because I, I prayed this and I said it. Like the silence was sweet during the Shema, um, but what it did say is I gave you permission to pray with people and none of you prayed with anybody or you prayed really, really quietly um, out loud. I've, I wanna, I'm gonna flip the switch on that tonight. I want you to find two or three or four or more people 
um, tonight that you're going to pray with. And so either you know what you're fasting from, I want you to share that with them, or you don't know yet and you need prayer to figure out what that is, um, or you're not going to fast from anything, but you have some other requests that, that you just need to share with them. So I'm just going to challenge you to pray together. I'm going to challenge you to pray together out loud. And for some of you, that's not going to be super comfortable. That's 100% okay. All right, there's zero expert prayers in this room. Um, and if, if, you're, if, it, if you would say out loud, which you probably wouldn't if this was the case, but if you would say out loud, if I pray out loud, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown and pass out. Please don't do that. Share that with your people and be like, hey, I struggle with praying out loud. Would you pray for the Lord to give me boldness in that? Be honest about some of those things as you go into it. It's not a have to to pray out loud, um, but I just want to encourage you to grab some people and begin to seek the Lord um, in prayer together, sharing those requests. Take as long as you want. We're going to play some music, and it's just going to continue to echo. There's not going to be a, a real dismissal. We're not doing worship afterwards or anything. You can spread out in this room, and then once you're done, man, Hit the door, go over to Matt's house. It's going to be open for a while. Y'all don't have school tomorrow, and so I have no idea how long T and them are going to leave this place open. Um, but you can hang out for as long as you want to, but spend some time seeking the Lord um, in prayer together. And then you're Let me pray for you, and then you guys break up and make that happen, and then get over there. Uh, God, thank you above all of those things. I thank you that we have access, that we thank you for the cross. We thank you that what Jesus did tore the veil, and we, we get to walk into your presence. And, and we get to do that in so many ways, but the greatest pleasure that I see is just the opportunity to talk with you, to commune with you. And so would you, would you stir our hearts deeper for that? Would we become, even for me, like would I become more and more passionate about prayer and it just become a thing that is not something that I have to do, it's something that I get to do, it's something that, that I will often pause and just lean into, that I'll take pleasure and joy in and would you stir that in all of our hearts just to know you more in that way would we would we hold you to your promises would we know your promises and then hold you to them because you're a god who's faithful and you keep those generations you keep those promises and so may we know them and hold you to them and we're asking starting now which is the prayer we've been praying for a long time that revival would spring up in this place but that it, it would be contagious and we would see churches grow to the point that they can't hold people we would see dead people coming to life spiritually we would see lost people coming back home and we would see celebrations taking place in all of that and then what takes place here and in our area and in this community would echo around the world and in eternity. And we, just, we trust you to do that because you're a God who is about your glory and we want to walk beside you in that. And so, so may your name and your renown rise up in us as we seek you. And for some of us, may that start tonight in a new way uh, by your spirit. We trust you to do that in Jesus' name, amen. Grab some people, pray together. When you're done, head out. See you guys.